0: Hi, it's Wednesday morning, and between carpals or whatever, I'm going to take advantage of this slot to do it now. I have Torah today. Today's I have Torah podcast is being sponsored as a surprise by Alan Bromwitz in honor of uh, Janet's birthday today. Happy birthday. Um, uh, Congregants, friends, and so forth about to go to Israel next week. and I'm uh, <laughs> I'm enough of a diplomat to not ask which birthday this is, but all kidding aside, happy birthday is very nice, very nice. Um, this haftorah is one of those where the truth of the matter is, as I say all the time, there's a lot of extra. All you need is the first pasuk. The connection with the parsha really is because it says it happens. It's Mosheah always blasting the Jews, and Hosea is the prophet who lives in the north, this time when there were two kingdoms, the south and the north. The north was uh, dominated by the tribe of Ephraim, uh, and therefore the whole book of Hosea, he's blasting Ephraim, which is either a code word for the whole kingdom of the north, all the ten tribes, or alternatively, um, he blames Ephraim for all the bad stuff that was going there because of real moral decadence and big uh, uh, idolatry social injustice, and in this week's parasha, even um, human sacrifice. Because this is the famous passage in Osher where he says, Zov that things are so degenerated that where is originally the golden calf, which was the original idol set up by the tribe of Ephraim, that goes back to the very beginning of the breakup between the two kingdoms. And Yerob and ben who was the leader of Ephraim, founded the northern kingdom, On the basis of idol worship, I'm sorry to say, and specifically the golden calf, which means that he said the old Jewish religion is out. Instead, the other Jewish religion, I'm serious about this, the Jewish religion that involves the golden calves, um, which i point out many times. You know, uh, uh, you could make the argument, and he did, that the golden calf is, is an idol of Hashem. You get it? Uh, it's not so clear in the Chumash, certainly from reading the Chumash, that you're not allowed to make an idol of the Shalom. You can't make an idol of something else. You can make an idol of the Shalom. Now, I realize, you know, you can and so forth, but clearly, as we know from the story of the Golden Calf, a lot of people didn't feel that way. And more importantly, this feeling didn't go away, and your the navad lived many hundreds of years after the golden calf incident, was able to revive it and somehow put it over, and therefore Ephraim becomes a symbol in this half and throughout the book of Asheah of all the bad stuff connected with idolatry. Now, theoretically, you could say, what's so bad about having an idol of God? Uh, if you wanted to be very cynical about it, you know, Jews look for objects, they kiss the to save Torah, things like that. You know that's not God, but it's a symbol, so to speak, in a certain way. Well, from this week's part, you see what's wrong with it. Once you have an idol, it just stimulates something bad in the human psyche, and it degenerates, you know, and eventually it leads to mixed dancing. No, and eventually it leads to um, human sacrifice. Because by the time of the prophet O'Shea, who lived during the reign of King Rub II, which was actually one of the better periods of the kingdom of the north, without going through too much detail uh, in the political sense in the military sense but in terms of the moral decadence and the religious sense and the idolatry it was a particularly bad period and um, you see he's already talking about human sacrifice (laughs) the priests of the golden calf would say um, whoever checks a person in other words if you sheft your kid, you get to kiss the calf. And that must have been a big deal in that culture, to actually have the zechus to go and approach the idol and kiss it. And uh, people were willing to, to, to sacrifice their children or others. Um, you have no idea, because we've been brainwashed in a good way, they have nothing to do with idols. But people aren't like that. You come up with the craziest stuff. This we know from the study of comparative religion. And I always remember very, very funny. Uh, Ten years ago or something like that, I did a trip to Spain. And one of the places our group went, of course, was Cordoba. And you can, there's nothing left that, physically of the Jewish quarter, which once upon the time was amazing. But it's a beautiful city. But they have a statue for tourism. They have a statue... Um, of Maimonides, obviously an imaginary statue. I think it's made out of bronze. You can Google it. You'll see in a second. As Maimonides sitting on a chair and with a little sign underneath, and that's the shtick to show they're not anti-Semitic anymore. They want the Jewish tourists, And from a certain narrow anal uh, uh, Spanish pride point of view, he said, Maimonides is a Spaniard. You know, even though he's kicked at his maybe whatever. And you know who the Rambam was. He's against all our idols. And here you have a statue of Maimonides. And it's obviously imagined. And he has on the statue shoes or slippers, like Aladdin's slippers, you know, like in the movies. Those kind of pointy things. And it was very bright. And notice the rest of the statue is kind of darkish. Bronze I think it's bronze, but the shoes are very shiny and bright and I Said how come this is all the game? No, it's good luck When you get engaged you go and rub With your hands or your face against the shoes of Maimonides the Jew and it brings you good luck in the wedding <laughs> in marriage and My goodness if there's anybody that's protesting against this. It's Maimonides He's the one who said this all baloney you shouldn't do anything like that and he's condemned it's funny actually to be the statue the symbol where you do good luck charms you see so don't be surprised as soon as you have any idol whoever shakes a person gets kiss to kiss the care but anyway that's a broad in a broad way um that's just a piece of what i, I uh hoshea is talking about and the whole parsha goes on of these sorts of things and you know the prophet of jail to a certain degree, as a Cassandra, he can see, he's condemned that he can foresee the future destruction of the kingdom of the north by Assyria, by Asher. And he's trying to warn the people. And by the way, if he lived in the time of Jerome II, he's about 50 years away before the Khorban of the north. And he says, I can see, Mamma's like Cassandra at Troy. I can see the, the Holocaust coming. Tasham Shomron, Shomron, which is the capital city of the north, the capital of Ephraim, is guilty. belo heho, because they rebelled against God. Becher biblu, I can see that they're all going to fall by the sword. And olalemi rutashu, I can see that the babies are going to be smashed to bits. As the enemy will take baby children and whack them against the wall to break their heads. Now, I can see that the pregnant women will be ripped open. This is the Middle East, baby. This is what they do over there. Therefore, I'm trying to tell you to give up this idolatry stuff because you want you, know, you don't want that to happen. I'm going to spare you from that terrible fate. Of course, we know it didn't happen, meaning that he was unsuccessful in his efforts and everything he foresaw happened. So this is the happy part of the Torah today. So why are we reading this in Pashat What's it got to do with anything? I mean, if you paid me, I could construct a case. But really, what's happening? Only from the beginning. It's weird how these things go. The book of Hosea consists of these long prophecies. Sometimes it's hard to break them up. Uh, If you get a Tanakh or a Bible, there will be chapter headings. That's from the Christians. And they're not necessarily identical with the Actual break above the passages, and now you're stuck on your own. So, what our haftorah today starts at chapter 12, but really chapter 12 verse 13, but really starts earlier. And what God is saying is, why don't you remember? I'm I'm going to push up shot. Why are you abandoning me? Haven't I taken care of you all, all the way through? By Yaakov stay Edom um, by we all know the story that Yaakov fled from his brother, and he ended up by Lovan, and he worked like a dog. And at the end, he was successful. So I, God, have always taken care of you from day one. I'm showing you divine providence. Hashikacha pratis So in that one Pesach, he's evoking the long story of Yaakov and Lovan and the four wives, and he's simply trying to say, doesn't that show you that I, God, have always treated the Jews with Lashkach Apprentice. So why aren't you grateful for me? You'd have no reason to be angry at me. If, this is very interesting, if I treated you bad, so even then, from a strictly theological point of view, you'd have the right to rebel against God. But that's already hard for a lot of people to understand. Like Job says, even he kills me, I turn to him. I get it, I get it. But to be perfectly honest, and especially in our generation, we know this, you can't get angry if somebody who went through Auschwitz and then says, I'm angry at God, or something like that. I mean, I get that. You understand? I get that. You can, And and if from my generation, maybe not the younger generation, younger generation is stupid. If from my generation, you understand, if somebody says that, you've got to give them space. What they've seen, what they've endured, you got to give them space. Because they went through terrible times. But not if it's the other way around. Right? Not if somebody, you know, was the benefit of God's mercy and providence. And Yaakov had to flee here. And as we all know, Loveman was not able to uh, to hurt him. And he did work hard, but look what he got out of it. And by the end of the day, Yaakov is able, unlike the Jews and Gullahs, to take every penny he made with him. It's like somebody nowadays, if you're an American, if you design your aliyah correctly, which I think Janet and Alan have, so whatever you have over here, you're going to take to Israel. That's different than people who ran away from the Holocaust or from other countries, which many times they're glad to escape with their lives. And they were glad to escape with their lives, right? I mean, they were glad. What about all the money and stuff like that? It's gone. In the case of Yaakov, he's able to bring back all this stuff from love, and even there was a close call. So, I've taken care of you. Why are you um, ungrateful to me? These are the general themes that you find in the Torah today. So, I don't know why, but they chose to use this passage in O'Shea to be the Torah to bring out the providential side of the Yaakov story. And he goes on to say, in the beginning, the Yaakov fled to Haram, I mean, to uh, Lavan, and he had to work for the wife, and be a shepherd for all those years. But remember, he took it all back with him. And then God sent the prophet Moses. He took him out of Egypt. And again, it was not, you know, so in other words, these are all stories of the sacred history that Jews would show the divine providence, which has always guided the Jewish people, and therefore God cares for them more than anybody else, etc., etc., etc. And therefore, why are you worshiping idols. I mean, that's that's the basic way of understanding this. You understand? That's the basic way of understanding this. Um, I'll throw in one more piece before I get to the point I wanted to make. There's a very nice passage here because I don't know if you notice this, but um. Uh, Shabbat is today. In other words, the Haftorah. Shuvah Yisrael. The famous uh, thing we call Shabbat Shuvah, the Haftorah Shabbat Shuvah, is from the book of Hosea, and it's also repeated today. If you know in general, a lot of times there are these Haftorahs, which we recite more than once a year, like twice a year or something like that. This is one of them. Okay, And the reason is because I mean, I'll tell you the truth, I'm not a harm sure why, but um, once we decided, whoever did, that this should be the Haftorah from Hosea, so they figured, okay, um, we'll have an extended passage, uh, even though it has nothing to do with the Haftorah itself, meaning with the Parsha itself. Uh, and therefore you have the famous thing where it says Ephraim has been very bad and you're ungrateful and want to remember the providential uh, guidance that I've shown you all the way through, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I guess you don't want to end whoever put the Haftar together, that I'll see your babies being smashed and the women being torn open. And so they want to say something nicer, and therefore they add, Shuv Yisrael, Hashem HaLakech will return to Israel, because at the end, you know, you're able to end, eyes, avi, that the Jews have a glorious future. God will love them right you know so it's a Jewish thing you don't want to end on a bad note but in the passage you say for the which is so striking to me whenever I read it it, it says like this return to Israel because you stumbled with your sins choose the right words for and return to the Lord Right? And don't rely on the game. We will not be saved by Asher. As we'd say today, you know, Israel has to depend on foreign alliances, which we do, but don't depend too much on them. And don't rely on the horses, as we say today, on the weapons that you get, although you need them. And don't say, right, the things we created are our God's. Don't say Ma'aseh or Elohim. That is modern civilization. That's technology. You know, if in the non-Jewish world, in the non-From world, what is the God today? Every society has some deity, whether they admit it or not. And it's science and technology. Is it? Look what we're turning out all the time. It's amazing. And to be perfectly honest, we are in awe, whether we say it or not. And understandably so, at what we produce, at what we create, what we invent. Every time they come up with a new, you know, um path-finding technology, you say, wow. And, and you do. I do. Suppose they found the cure for cancer tomorrow. Wow. Right? Suppose they find some new thing that makes the internet look like nothing. Wow. They can't help it. But don't turn that into a god. Don't worship it. Um... I'll tell you what I mean. Suppose I said there's a certain um, mitzvah or prohibition you have to adhere to, and, and that mitzvah uh, will impede or block the progress of science. Would you uh, go along with that, or would you say no? We can't do that because we can't stop the scientists from finding a cure for cancer. Can't do that. Uh, It'd be an interesting question to put to people. Would you, uh, you know, uh, privilege the mitzvah part or the science progress technology part? It's a, it's an interesting question. Um, so, knows which is your God? And he's already saying, the Mashiach will only come when people get to the part where they say they rather listen to the religious part. But wait a minute. Religion has always been antithetical to scientific progress. That is kind of like the history of religion, or at least it was for a long time. Right? Um, and I get it. And there's a lot of stupid things in religion. No question about it. So what should you do? That's what this uh, movie is raising. It's very fascinating. Now, I want to tell you something. I pulled out this morning. I haven't seen it in a long time. I did. For some reason, it came to my head. Um, Abe Shits. I've taken an Abe Shits vacation since the beginning of Corona. I used to look at his stuff a lot of times. You know, the uh, Yaris Dvash and different things like that. Now, for ever since Corona, this is a year and a half now, maybe two years, ago, I haven't looked at it this It's funny. Don't ask me why. When I look at the Pasach today, at the beginning of the Haftorah, which is I said, what the heck? I know that, um, Abishutz had a ton of material, and after he died, different people published different parts of it. I happen to have a three-volume set called Kisrei Abishutz, or something like that, called Sifri Abishutz, and um, one of them's on the Haftorah, it's called Abbas Yonassam. So I'm telling you out there in uh, podcast land, if you ever need good stuff for Haftorah, you want to get obviously Unison if you can handle the ancient style, which I I happen to like. And um, it's like a purpleistic drush. I want to make a point. Uh, one of the things that people talk about is that it says in the beginning of the Parsha, Vayivrach Yaakov's stay Aram, that Jacob fled to the land of Aram. Actually, it doesn't say he fled in the Chumash. It says in the Chumash it does not say the word he fled and to be perfectly honest if you go to Chazal he didn't run away he may have stayed 14 years by Shem and Aver even so if he's hiding from Esau I mean that's not the way to do it you want to put a lot of ground between one and the other from a military perspective if you're being pursued by a superior enemy or a dangerous enemy one thing you want to do is put a lot of space between you that's why armies always want to cross the other side of the river when they're beeping through by a bigger army, as what George Washington did famously after he was defeated in the uh, Battle of uh, what he called Washington Heights. You know, you, you went on the other side of Delaware River, want to get the British uh, far away. But it doesn't say it's a vayyese, it doesn't say but in the passage here it says vayivrah. So you know, I'm different, a different approach it whatever way. But I like. The Abishitz always says a, 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 a blitz of art. And it says that there is a medrash that says, maybe Rashi even quotes it. And with that, the way you understand it is like this Yaakov is departing Israel. Um, Anyway, he did a weird thing because Yaakov was supposed to live in Hebron, and then he goes to Beersheba first, and then he goes north. So he didn't do a regular flight like we would say today. You know what I'm saying? He didn't do a regular flight which is get the heck out of there as soon as possible. But he did stops. And of course we know he slept in Jerusalem. He had to dream with the, with the ladder, And then um, he moves north and gets there instantly. Feet's there. So what's the shot over there? Is that fleeing or not? The Kfitza maybe sounds like a a, flit, a flight. Like Vayivrach a brichov. Right? Um what's going on over here? And what Avisha says is very interesting. Asa hates Yaakov. of different plots to assassinate Yaakov. Asaf, especially if you go with the Shame of Abraham 14 years, but let's put that aside. Aesop therefore, this is the Middle East immediately put out contracts all along the way anybody rubs out my brother I'll take care of him I'll I'll, I'll, I'll pay you off you know the Middle East Yaakov is a man with a price on his head to use modern technolo- terminology and he's running away and he's got to cross all of Syria to get to his destination I think you know enough of the uh, geography to know that Yaakov is heading north from Jerusalem, and his destiny is Kurdistan, where Lovren lives, Aram Narayim, and in between is what we call Syria, the Galilean Syria, you know what I'm talking about, and it's peopled with all kinds of types, and Yaakov has to face assassination attempts, um, and the truth of the matter is, I'm putting a little spin on my own one. Based on Aveshitz. Truth of the matter is, he probably didn't have a Chinaman's chance because once these contracts were out, everybody along the way in the underworld knew get rid of Yaakov and you're on easy street. So, how do you get to your destination? The answer is you cannot. There's no way Yaakov would have found a safe hotel or a safe place to sleep in the street because the hit was on him. But Hashem, now, God can do anything. But what Hashem did was, When he hit the road, all of a sudden he was in the car. By a miracle, magically, we had a pizza and he, like, beamed me up, Scotty. He starts in Israel. Next thing you know, he's already in Aram. In Aram Rain. Which means all the people along the way, he never passed through there. Yet he never passed through there. Um... If I wanted to be my manatee in the it, you could say that Derek means he meant in a confidential way; nobody knew who he was. But the post of Shotton was a miracle. You know, a little bit like Abraham Lincoln. I'm from Baltimore. Abraham Lincoln had a hit squad on him on his way to the White House when he got elected, and he had to sneak through Baltimore in the middle of the night because um, he was expected to leave in train in the morning, and they had the assassination all worked out in the morning. But he came in a, in, a, in the middle of the night. And he left immediately in the middle of the night, therefore wasn't there by the time the assassination squad was ready. So something like that. So that's what it means. Vayivrach Yaakov. The Yaakov had a bricha, a flight. That is to say, he had a miraculous chesed And as a result, he um, by uh, uh, uh he was able to get to stay around. right? He's able to get to stay around. Uh, which is God's way of saying like this. Look, hold on for a second. If this is true, this Apech's way of looking at it, um <laughs> if this this is true, then you see the very fact that Veg dumb, the Yaakov was able to make it to Iran. They was able to survive all the assassination attempts along the way is a sign of uh And of course, the prophet is there for a thing like this. Why don't you remember these things? And if you want, you could say. The are is telling them that the history of Jewish people is complete with a lot of these things. Um, sometimes the Jews are stuck in a country and suffered persecution. Sometimes they got out of there and avoided persecution. You know what I'm thinking of in modern Israel? So think, for example, the Jews ran away from Iraq back in the early 50s. And they got screwed over by the Israeli establishment, Salah Shabbat, and the Mabaran and all the rest of it, which is true. But what if they had stayed in Iraq? and gone through Saddam Hussein and the other junk. Oh my goodness. It's Vayivra, Yaakov, around. They were able to get out of there, Fizaderech, so to speak. They are flown out of Iraq to, on planes to Israel. And therefore they beat all the assassination attempts that were waiting for them later in history. Same thing with the Russian Jews. who I mean, came over here in 1999, 91, which I happened to be speaking about during my lecture series this year. That's what happens to come out to they got out real fast in 1991. You'll tell me, well, nothing too bad happened in Russia. If they would have stayed there, would probably be pogromed by now with the bad economy. It's very, it's very very really interesting, this this pattern that you see over here. Um, I'll tell you one quick other word from Apshitz, which I also like. And this is just from glancing at Davis Yunusim. And that is Vayivrach Yaakov stay Aram. This is also good. Yaakov approaches Aram with cognitive dissonance. On the one hand, he wants to go there because that's where his destiny is. That's where he's going to find his bride. His mother and father told him to do that. On the other hand, he's afraid of loving and all the others that are up there. So he is repelled. He's going there, but he's repelled by what he's going to see. And Vayivrach in this case would not be that he fled, but he's repelled. This is my interpretation of what Hebschitz is saying. Okay? Um... That he's fleeing the culture of Aram. He's going there, but he's also... This is a very frummy interpretation. You run away to America, but you don't want to... But at the same time, you are repelled by the unsavory aspects of the culture. You, you're going there, like Yaakov. You're fleeing there, and you will find your destiny there. As a matter of fact, you'll even prosper there. You'll find your shirk and you'll prosper, because Yaakov becomes rich there. But it's Vayivrach. You're going there, but at the same time you're fleeing there. Which means you're going for the good, but you're being repelled by the bad. That is actually a very interesting kind of a way of looking at things. And um, anyway, that is uh, a reminder here because... Alan Jan are making Aliyah next year. And uh I wouldn't say they're repelled by America, but you know what I mean. It's a, it's always a, a conflicted relationship of the Jew with the with the it, Or should be. Um the Jew is in, in a gallus and doesn't have some byevrach in him, uh then uh then it's a the problem. You can even say if you want to be homiletical. Every Jew, wherever they are, has to be vayirah. you have to be prepared to leave if necessary. We all know people that quote unquote wouldn't leave when they had a chance to do from Hitler and then they got stuck there. So it's a very once you put yourself in that homiletical vein, you see a lot in that first passage where it says vayirah Yachov stay Aram as opposed to the Anyway, those are a few thoughts and uh, I think very uh the was a very profound ones. On this and with that, I wish everybody a good Shabbos. Once again, I want to thank the Abramowitz and a happy birthday, to you, Janet. And with that, um, we shall have a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbydubbidcats.com.